Today I want to talk with you in this last message in uh, our We Are Family series and all the emphasis, and I'm so appreciative to so many staff members that have worked over the last uh, really about five or six weeks to help us for this special emphasis. It's been an outstanding uh, month and uh, family uh, emphasis. And I want to close this series out today by talking to you about what I believe is the greatest family of all. It is the family of God. Now, you may be in a dysfunctional family. You may come up in a dysfunctional family. You might not even have what we used to call the nuclear family kind of arrangement. Uh, Maybe you've had a Brady Bunch kind of family. Uh, I, I don't know. But here's what I can tell you. If you've had no real serious family, This is the most serious family of all that you can be a part of. And that is the family of God. You know why it's the most important family? Because our earthly families, as valuable and as important as they are, will one day fade away, but the family of God lasts forever. And today, that's why I want to talk with you about the family of God. And that's why I want to, today, I want to urge you, if you're not a part of the family of God, to connect with us and to connect with Uh, the family, first the kingdom family, and then this local uh, family. And so I want us to look at Acts chapter 2 this morning, which talks about the original family church uh, beginnings. And so if you're physically able to do so, stand with me. We're going to read from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. The scripture says, so those who received his word were baptized and There were added that day about 3,000 souls. What an invitation. Every preacher wants that invitation. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Remember these things. We're going to come back to them. And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles' And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father, thank you for the story of the church and its importance, Father, to the kingdom of God, the local church, the importance, God, of this body and operating as your body. Would you teach and instruct us, Father, today about our roles and our responsibilities as believers in the kingdom and for those who are not a part yet of the kingdom? Cause them today to recognize the importance of connecting with you and trusting Christ and then becoming a part of the local family of God. Speak to us now through your word, your holy word, Lord speak in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, I've preached on uh, this chapter, this chapter four, uh, a number of times. I went back through my log to see how many times I've preached on this and Uh, Maybe one of the most uh, preached passages of my ministry. Why? Because it's so important for us to understand the church. It's so important for us to understand how it came to be. And the fact is, the book of Acts is the go-to book when we want to learn about both the early church and the modern church. How it came to be, what it looked like. You see, the early church was essential for the spread of Christianity. 
It was essential for encouragement of the believers. It was essential for networking to the saints. It was dynamic. It was filled with the power of God, the Spirit of God. It was an oasis of fellowship uh, and support. And it was a lifeline of the believers living in a dark age. And by the way, the church is going to become more that, the biblical church, as the age uh, progresses toward the end of time. It's going to become more uh, significant uh, to us. And these early believers, they had each other, and they were committed to each other, committed to God. They, they sought every opportunity to get together. They took care of one another. They worked together to expand the kingdom of God by establishing local churches, local congregations throughout the world. And their commitment to God produced a commitment to each other that was unmatched. And the Bible says that God was adding to their numbers every day. Uh, the Bible used them. They understood how much they needed the church together. The ecclesia, the gathering of the believers. And so should we. You just notice uh, the dynamic in our worship. You've experienced, just experienced that. And that is a reminder of how important it is for us together, isn't it? Now today, many people never become a part of this. They never become a part of of a church family and there are a lot of reasons and a lot of excuses that are sometimes given I like what uh, one pastor said he said he stopped attending uh, uh, athletic events and they asked him what his reasoning for that was and he said well every time I went they asked me for money and then he said the people with whom I had to sit didn't seem very friendly he said the seats were too hard and not comfortable and he said, the coach never came to call on me. He said, the referee made a decision with which I could not always agree. And he said, uh, at the games, I was sitting with some hypocrites. They came only to see what other people were wearing. And some games, he said, went into overtime. <laughs> and I was late getting home. Then he said, the band played some songs that I didn't care for and had never heard. And then the games, he said, are scheduled when I want to do other things. And he said, but besides that, my parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. And since I've read a book on sports, I feel that I know more than the coach does anyhow. And finally, I just don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. You know, you get it, don't you? You get to the analogy there. He said, if we applied that, what he's saying, if, if we did to athletics what we sometimes use as an excuse for church, wouldn't be too many fans in the stands, would there? Today, based on what, a poll, uh, what poll you use, we're told that there will be somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 75 million people gathering just like we are today, attending some kind of church service. And here's the deal. Many of the people today, even that go to church, never identify why they go. Some go out of habit, some go from guilt, some from pressure, some from social status, some because they genuinely want to be in the family and the fellowship of God. And sometimes if you ask someone, why, why do you belong to the family, they don't have a good answer. So we need to understand what the church is and what it is not. I think Chuck Colson defined it well. He said, biblically, the church is an organism, not an organization. It's not a movement. It's not a monument. It is not a part of the community. It is a whole new community. 
It is not an orderly gathering. It is a new order with new values. And those values are often in sharp conflict with the values of the surrounding society. If you go look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul describes a church as a household. He describes it as a family. And my favorite term for the church is the family. He says it is the support and the foundation of truth. Church isn't a business. It's not an institution. It's not a social club. It's, it's not an organization. The Bible says that the church is a family. Now, living here in South Alabama, we live in, well, you could call it hurricane country. We live in hurricane and country and tornado alley. And uh, I don't know, for most of my life, I've lived in one or the other or both. I've pastored in those. And here's what you learn if you live in an area like we live in. You learn after a while that a good foundation is essential, don't you? That, that you must have a good foundation uh, if you're going to stand and weather the kinds of storms that come your way. Well, the Bible teaches that the church is one of the vital foundations of your life. The Bible teaches that the Christian life is not just about believing, listen, it's about belonging to a family. Now, some people may say that, well, I want to be a Christian, but I, I don't need a church. Really? That's like saying that I want to play basketball in the NBA, but I don't want to be a part of any particular team. Or I want to be a sailor without a ship. Or that's like saying I want to play music without an instrument. Or I want to be a teacher without a class. You see, a Christian without a church family is an orphan. And there is a difference with attending a worship service and belonging to the church family. Because the church is not just a place that you go to, the church is a family that you belong to. And God has designed it for His glory and for your benefit. So this morning, I want to show you why you need a church family. Number one, you need a church family because the family of God provides spiritual information. Keep your Bibles open. Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The family of God is the place to gain the right perspective on your world. You see, the church is a place to hear God's Word. And you, you need a family that will provide the truth of God for living. I love what Dr. Adrian Rogers says many years ago. I've used this many times through the, the years, but he said this. If you're a part of a church that does not preach all of the Bible, that does not believe all of the Bible, you should saturate that church with your absence. The church is a place to hear God's Word. It's a place to hear the truth. Not a watered-down version of God's Word but the full counsel of God's Word. The church family is a place to learn God's Word. Now listen, that's a little different, isn't it? It's not just a place to hear it. It is a place to learn what it means. And the church is a place that can help uh, you understand what God's truth is all about. The church family is also a place to see God's Word. You can see it lived out in the lives of people, in, in families that are uh, uh, family members that are living the truth for God. You have models, you have examples in the church. You see, you need a church family in order to mature spiritually. And the family is going to help you grow. You need the family to uh, help you overcome spiritual ignorance and to help prevent spiritual anorexia. You know what spiritual anorexia is, don't you? Well, you know what physical anorexia is, don't you? You know, I, I don't think I need to describe it. 
you take food in and then you don't digest that food, right? We know what spirit, uh, physical anorexia, well think about it. there are a lot of people that, that have spiritual anorexia. They take it in but they never digest it. They never let it build them up. So we need a church family. A church family will help us do that. The church family will help you find your ministry. You were made for ministry. God put you here on earth to know him and for you to minister. And the role of the church is in part to help you find your ministry, what God has designed you for. By the way, RBC, Reach, Build, Connect, you hear us talking about that. The connection part is, is that the church helps you, it builds you, it reaches, it builds, and then it helps you connect with the ministry God created you and gifted you for. So you need a church family. You need the family of God to provide spiritual information. Number two, you need the family of God to provide spiritual motivation. Again, verse 42, it says, okay, they were devoted themselves to the apostle teaching. And look at this, and the fellowship, the fellowship. Note that they were not only involved in learning the truth, but they were also gathering for fellowship and they liked each other. You know, one of the things I love about our church, I, that, that we act like we like each other. I, I mean, by the way, that, that's not always the case. I've been some places where there was war going on and a church broke out. You know what I mean? Thank God we love each other. We like getting, you act like it at any rate. Some people attend church, it has been said, only three times a, uh, in their life. When they're hatched, when they're matched, and when they're dispatched. <laughs> but you see, we need each other, don't we? One of the great benefits of the family is that we motivate each other with our fellowship. Now, I don't know. I, I know it wouldn't be true of, of, of you, but some people might have gotten up this morning and thought, I just don't want to go to church. I don't feel like going to church. I don't think I'm going to church. I, I don't want. But you know, you got here and already you've been motivated, haven't you? Through worship and song and the Word of God, you've, there's a motivation. And probably in your heart, you're going, I am so glad I didn't miss that. I'm so glad I was a part of that. We need each other to motivate each other. The church fellowship, that's what they were doing. Their fellowship was a motivation for, for them to live for God. There are, the fellowship provides examples, as I said, models. We see how other people are living. We see how people are overcoming and victory. We even see their failure sometimes, but we see the motivation that is produced when the fellowship gathers together. And then the church fellowship provides encouragement for living. There's great power in healthy families. Some people say big is bad. I tell you, I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful because the family becomes stronger. There's more opportunity for more encouragement. I told you 22 years ago when I came here, we ought to become known as the Royal Order of Encouragers of America. And we, this ought to be a place where you're encouraged. You're encouraged because of the people that are around you, the people that are with you in the work of God. And I want to tell you something. But did you know he, the writer of Hebrews says that we are together, together like this in an ecclesia 
all the more to encourage one another, all the more as we see the day approaching. What day is that? The day of the return of Christ. In other words, we need the encouragement and the motivation that coming together brings to us. And we need it more and more and more and more the closer and closer we get to the return of Christ. And so the family of God provides spiritual motivation. Number three, the family of God provides spiritual inspiration. Look at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. Awe came upon every soul. But there there was this spiritual, this move of the Spirit of God that produced this awe. And they were inspired by watching all of that. A husband and his wife arose one Sunday morning and the wife dressed for church. It was just about time for the service when she noticed that her husband hadn't moved a finger toward getting dressed. And she was perplexed. And she says, why aren't you getting dressed for church? And he said, well, because I don't want to go. And she said, do you have any reasons? And he said, yes, I have three good reasons. First, he said, the congregation is cold. Second, no one likes me. And third, I just don't want to go. The wife replied to him, wisely and said well honey I have three reasons why you should go first the congregation is warm second there are a few people there who do like you and third you're the pastor so get dressed and let's go (laughs) you know you thought it haven't you I just I don't know I I just don't know if I want to go but as I said you get here and you get motivated and you get inspired why because of the people the fellowship but also because of the awe-inspiring presence of the Holy Spirit they were in awe because they were watching what God was doing in their gathering in their family they were inspired by being in the presence of the Spirit of God You see, the church family is a place where you get to see God at work. Inspiration comes when we see Him working in the lives of others, and it gives us hope. The church family is a place not only to see God's work, but it is a place for you to experience God's work. Inspiration comes when we start experiencing the power of God among us. We see it in other lives, and then we sense it in our own life. God's at work. He's at work in my heart. But there's a fourth reason that you need the family of God. You need the family of God because because it provides spiritual identification. Look at verse 44. You got your Bible open? Underline, and all who believed, that's identification, all who believed. It wasn't just anybody in the culture, it was those who believed. And the idea is more than just the head knowledge. I saw just this past week another poll that said over 80% of Americans say they believe in God. Yeah, they have a head knowledge of God. But we know 80% of Americans don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and Master because we wouldn't be in the sorry state we're in if they did. And so don't ever trust those figures because this, look, what they were saying there, all who believed, those who were saved, those who had put their trust in Jesus Christ, it it becomes the identifier. They were identified by that. I read read a a story about a family that went to the movie, and and so the dad, he was going to go to the stand on the way into the theater, you know, I'm going to get popcorn and drinks and that kind of stuff, and so he stopped off, and the family, it was a 
one of these real popular movies, and the, and the family went on in to get seats, and they went on, guys, and he said, okay, I'll find you. And he gets the popcorn and the drinks, and he comes inside the theater, and you know, have you ever had this experience? You get in there, and the lights are coming down, and your eyes can't adjust, and all you, you don't, you can't see who's who. And he's trying to find his family. He's walking across the front, looking up, looking up. He can't find him. He goes up one side. He's looking, going up there. I can't find his family. He goes back down across and up the other side. He's looking for his family. And finally, in exasperation, <laughs> he just stops down at the front and looks up. And he says, does anybody know me? <laughs> Listen. The church family reflects your belonging, that you are known. You are known by your relationship to Jesus Christ. It's a reflection of your identity. Former Senator Bill Bradley was once asked why he never married. He never married in his home. He had been a great NBA player, by the way, and then became a senator for many years, a liberal senator, I might add. And he never married. And he was asked why he never married. And this is what he said. He says, because one can travel faster alone and it's cheaper. That might be true, but it sure is lonely. You know, one of the reasons God put us together was so that we wouldn't be alone. Serving Him, loving Him, living for Him. And so we are identified by that relationship. The church family reflects your belonging. The church family reveals your commitment. You see, you need a church family, and you need to belong to a specific family so that they know who they can count on, and you know you can count on them. Why do we say join a local church? Because it's New Testament. And second, it shows who can be counted on. It lets the family know who you are. Number five, you need the family of God because the family of God provides spiritual unification. Look at verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Unified families are powerful. It's hard to slow down a crowd when they are headed in the same direction. Would you agree with that? Unified families headed in the same direction are powerful for God. And unified families are productive. Together, the fact is, we can accomplish the purposes of God far easier than we can alone. And so God calls us together, and He calls us to make commitments to Him and to one another. In his book, The Pursuit of God, which I highly recommend, and we've studied it here in January a couple of years back, A.W. Tozer wrote the following. He says, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same pitch are automatically tuned to each other? Now, now listen carefully. 100 pianos all tuned to the same pitch are automatically tuned to each other. Makes sense, doesn't it? They're of one accord by being tuned not to each other. They're not tuned to each other, but to another standard. That standard is the pitch. And as a result of that, if they all focus on that pitch, they all become united with one another. Then he adds, and so also uh, 1,000 worshipers meeting together 
each one looking away to Christ, not to each other, but to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could ever possibly be by worshiping all by themselves. We come together. It tunes us in to the same thing, Christ. And that's why I love television, and God uses that. Uh, um, every week I hear from our television audience, and I'm so grateful for that. And, and uh, live streaming, we hear about that. And some people have no alternative, and I'm so grateful that we can put the message out through media. And I'm so grateful for our media team. And by the way, there's a team of them right now that are producing and sending out this message to people who can't physically get here. But there are some people that could. They've just gotten lazy because now you can just kind of stay in your PJs and drink your coffee and turn me off when you get tired. <laughs> click, click, click all over the area. It's, they're going off right now. I love that. I think that... But, we all admit there's nothing like the gathering. Just nothing like it. In a Peanuts cartoon, y'all remember Peanuts, you know, Charles Schultz. And Lucy demanded that Linus change TV channels. You know, Linus, her, her little brother, if I remember correctly. And she demanded that Linus change the TV channels, threatening him with a fist. You can see Lucy, she's a mean little thing. And she's threatening Linus, you change the channel, she said... I demand it. And, uh, well, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? Linus says to his sister. She says, these five fingers. <laughs> she says, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel do you want, asked Linus. And then turning away in the cartoon, Linus looks at his own fingers and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> well, the church did. The church did, and the healthy church does. And as a result, notice what was happening in the church. Because of their unity, they were being used and God was adding to their numbers daily. Why? Because they were unified by Christ. Not by opinions. By Christ. And then number six. You need the family of God because the family of God provides spiritual cooperation. Look at verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need cooperating together, working together. What a tragic thing to not have a supportive family to share life's dilemmas. I can't tell you how many times, I, I, I mean, I, I really, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this statement over the years. Pastor, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have my church family. When they've gone through something, some difficulty, some trauma, some tragedy, I don't know what I'd do. And then they'll say this, how do people make it that don't have a family? A church family. You see, the family of God provides this kind of cooperation that when the family of God shares the burdens of life, and you're going to face burdens. Some of you are facing them right now. You're going to face burdens that are overwhelming, overpowering, and that's where the love and support and encouragement of the family comes in. 
A few years back, the Associated Press carried a story about a dramatic rescue in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And what had happened was an eight-year-old boy had fallen into a creek and he'd been sucked into a large drain pipe. And his whole body was submerged. He himself was just above the water because of the current pulling him down. And he he was just out of that drain pipe, about like that. And he was in danger of drowning. But his 12-year-old playmate extended his hand. And though the playmate wasn't uh, uh, strong enough to pull his buddy out of the drain pipe, he was strong enough to hold on to the boy safely until the rescuers could get there and pull him out. That's what a family of God does. Because you're going you're gonna to get sucked into some drain pipes this year. You're going to face some obstacles and you're going to need a helping hand and that's where the body of Christ comes in to help you, to hold you. And they may not be able to pull you out of your dilemma, but they can hold you and keep you from drowning until God comes through. The church family helps with the needs of your life. They cooperate together. You'll have those needs. You'll have those times, and it's in those times that a family is the first place that we turn. But there's one final reason that I want to give you this morning. Y'all never thought I'd get through seven of those, did you? The family, you need the family of God. Why? You need the family of God because the family of God provides spiritual celebration. Look at verses 46 and 47. Day by day attending the temple together, man... By the way, that means they liked getting together. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, there it is again, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, healthy families are happy families, aren't they? They really do enjoy one another. They have fun, they laugh, and they look forward to being together. And you miss that. You miss out on that if you don't connect with a local family of believers. We all need someone to celebrate with. Isn't it interesting that celebrating together has a greater dynamic than celebrating alone? You ever tried to give yourself a high five? I'm celebrating. What you doing? I'm I'm trying to hit my other hand. Hey! We all need someone to celebrate with. That's God's people. Healthy families experience joy in each other's presence. They were together and they were glad they were together. They were glad they were with each other. And healthy uh, families not only experience joy, they express joy to God. They experience joy with each other and then they, that's horizontal, and then they, uh, they express joy to God. That's praise. That's what they were doing. They weren't only glad when they got together. When they got together, they celebrated God together. You see, we are a family. And families celebrate. Families hang out together. Healthy families look for every opportunity together. That's the picture of a healthy church. And it is the reason that you shouldn't be fooled by a myth that has circulated for years out in our world that goes something like this. Well, it doesn't really matter if you go to church or belong to a church or, or, or where you attend as long as you believe in God. It does matter. 
It does matter. And they prove it. The book of Acts proves it. And joining a local congregation matters. But you say, why should I join the church? Uh, uh, Why should I faithfully gather with with one family of God? Can I just be faithful and attend occasionally without having to make a commitment? Well, yeah, you can do that. But my reply to that would be this, but why wouldn't you commit? Not can you just kind of attend and, and, and never make a commitment to the family. My question would be, why wouldn't you commit to a family? What would be your reason for saying no commitment from me? <laughs> what if your spouse said to you, I want to be around you, but I don't want to have to commit to you? How would you respond to that? Probably not favorably. I've had people say, I'm not going to join a church because I like to attend various different churches for various different spiritual experiences. Well, what again? uh, What uh, again? What if your spouse said to you, I love you, but I'm not going to commit to you so that I can leave open the other options? If you're sane, notice I said if you're sane in this culture you would probably say that's entirely unacceptable. But I I ask you, are you doing that with the church? It's not biblical. It's not biblically acceptable in light of what the Scripture teaches on body life. You know what body life is? Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians. Body life is this. Body life says that we are a body. By the way, you're also a bride. Did you know that? We are the body of Christ. And Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians for about three chapters that we've been given spiritual gifts. And they're not all the same. But a body has a lot of different parts, right? Some are very obvious. Some are internal. We don't see. But they're all important, right? And so Paul uses this and says that some of you are eyes and some of you are ears and some of you are arms and some of you are lungs and, you know, oh no, some of you are feet and all all that kind of thing in the body that forms the body of Christ. And you know, all of the parts are important, right? When I was growing up, there was a Wendy's commercial out. Some of you will remember. You remember those two old ladies that would go to the counter and they'd try to order something, a chicken sandwich or anything, and they'd say, what's it made of? And they'd say, chicken uh, chicken parts, and, and they say, what kind of parts? And the guy behind the counter says, parts is parts. No, they're not in the kingdom. We all have different, we are different parts that form the body of Christ. Now, hang on, I'm going somewhere with this. Don't miss this. Because people say, why should I join? I just like to, to kind of move around a little bit. I'll be here for a while, and then I'll go here for a while, and, and, and on and on. But that's not biblical. Because let's say God created you to be a lung. But instead, you're you're out there floating about. Do you know a lung can't live outside the body? And it can't help the body breathe if it's outside the body. So one of the reasons, one of the prime reasons, body life, that you should join a local congregation is that they could know we got our lung we got our heart, we got our pancreas, we got our hand, we got our feet, we got our eyes. That's why Paul said, don't try to be something you're not, but be what you are designed to be in the body. 
So you have to make a commitment to the body. What if your heart today says, I've lost my commitment for you? You know what's going to happen, right? Do you get it? Do y'all get this, or do I need to carry on? Say, if you get it, say, got it, Pastor. (laughs) Now I'm offended. (laughs) You see, you've been endowed with these gifts, and they're given to you for the mutual benefit of the entire body. That's why we ask you to join, so we know who you are, and we know, and you know who we are, and we make this commitment to one another so that we can be a healthy body. And by the way, I've had guys say this to me before. Yeah, but the, the church, they, they met in houses, and we ought to be doing houses. I'm not against house churches and everything, if that's the best you've got. But do you know the churches were local? That's why there are specific letters to specific local congregations. Revelation has seven churches. They were local churches. I've been there. They were local churches, and they planted churches. You say, yeah, but they didn't have buildings. They did when they could build them. That's why all over the ancient world we have the remains. As as soon as they were able to build them, guess where they moved? They moved out of the houses and into their buildings. Why? Because they could gather. I've heard that so many times. The church was local. It was universal and it was local. So connecting to a local church is vital. If you wonder why we ask you to join, that's why we ask you to join, to connect. So, body parts, you see, only work when they're joined together. Now, if you're a body part that hasn't connected to the family of God and you're trying to be incognito, You may have great potential for God, but the body never benefits from that potential because you have neglected to connect with the local body of Christ. And as a result, you will not fulfill your God-given purpose and potential. Anne Lamont, in her book, Traveling Mercies, she shares a story that she once heard about a little girl that got lost one day. And she writes that the little girl ran up and down the streets of this big city where she lived and she couldn't find a single landmark. She was a young girl. She couldn't find a single landmark. She became very frightened and distressed. And finally there was a policeman who was patrolling and he sees this little girl and he sees her sitting and she she's, uh, looks uh, frightened and she's uh, crying a bit. And the policeman stopped to help her. And she told him she couldn't find her way home. And so he said, well, get in the car, and maybe we can, find, we can find your home, and maybe you'll see something. And so they began to drive around until finally, finally, the little girl saw her church. And she pointed it out to the policeman, and she told him firmly, oh, you can let me out now. She says, this is my church, and I can always find my way home from here. She adds, Lamont does, And that is why I stayed so close to my church. Because no matter how bad I'm feeling, no matter how lost or lonely or frightened I am, when I see the faces of the people of my church and I hear their voices, I can always find my way back home. It's true. You see, it's biblical. The local church. 
it's biblical to be a part and connected to a local church. And that's why the family of God is important in your life. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. No one looking about as we wrap up this morning. Just a moment, uh, Aaron and Bradley and the choir are going to lead us and we're going to sing an invitation. I'll step down to the front. Staff will be on the aisles. And, and I'm going to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you from the balcony or this ground floor to slip out from where you're seating. Come and pray around this altar. You're praying for people or about decisions that need to be made or other matters that only you and God know about. But you need to bend the knee before Him. There's something powerful about that. Some of you perhaps say, you know what, Pastor, I need to connect with the family called Ridgecrest. And if you hadn't, I want to urge you to do that this morning. To come and say, it's time. I, I need to do that. I want to be a part of this family of believers so that I can be used of God to help the kingdom of God, to glorify the King of kings and Lord of lords. You may be here this morning and say, I'm not even sure I know the king. You see, you can't really be a part of the family until you meet the Father. And for some of you, that means you need to call on Him. The Bible says this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You're watching by live stream, listening on radio, watching on television, but you've never really called on the Lord. You've never really called on Him. You've been religious. You may have attended church for much of your life, but you've never really trusted Christ as your Savior. Why don't you do that today? How do I do that, Pastor? Right now, in your heart, you can call on, on Jesus. In your heart, sincerely call out, say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm not sure I've ever trusted you as my Savior. I believe in you, but I want to move more than just belief in my head. I want to trust you in my heart, and so I want to call on you right now. I invite you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying for my sins on the cross. Thank you for loving me that much. And I want you to be my Savior. So come into my life and be my Savior. He will hear that. Thank you. He will hear that. Some of you in this building have prayed that prayer. Are there others? Would you just slip your hand up? I just prayed that prayer, Pastor. Thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you. We know you hear that. And right now, Father, before we're gone, help us to follow through whatever decision. If it's to join this family of believers here, if it's to confess you as our Savior, whatever it is, Father, that, that we need to do right now. Let us be without shame, but bold in our confession, in our obedience. We pray it in Jesus' name.